If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of October 11, 2020. The podcast that's the defender of last resort. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's appropriate the news of the bogus. More updates on the McCloskey case, the couple that defended their home from a mob that had knocked down the gate and entered their property without firing a shot, I should add. We've covered that, although these so-called protesters were clearly guilty of trespassing and making threats, none of them are being prosecuted. Instead, they're going after the McCloskeys. So now we have the grand jury indictment. Well, actually, we don't, because amazingly enough, it's been sealed. Folks, you only seal an indictment when there's still a danger to the public or when there's a possibility the suspects will flee, neither of which is the case here. According to legal expert John Lynch, quote, If you have an organized crime case or a child murderer, you might want to suppress the indictment until arrests are made. But this is far from that. It's not a very well-kept secret with the McCloskey saga. The suppression effort by the state is to continue manipulating the process out of pure political motivation, which puts a dark stain on St. Louis again while the rest of us are trying to work. Anders Walker, law and history professor and author of The Ghost of Jim Crow, said, quote, I was a little surprised. Often indictments are sealed so that the defendants can be apprehended and arrested, and I don't think there's any fear that the McCloskeys in this case are going to try to evade arrest. I think it's probably political. These charges are relatively light charges, and they're also flimsy. Conservatives have focused heavily on this case as a waste of prosecutorial resources, so there may be an effort not to draw further attention to the case until perhaps after the election. I think this case has become a political football. It's drawn national attention. Conservatives are very interested in this case. The judge or the prosecutor's office may not want the arraignment to happen before the election simply to avoid this becoming a circus. So far, Joel Schwartz, attorney for the McCloskeys, has said he hasn't seen any official documentation showing his clients have been indicted, but he did say, quote, once all the facts are out, it will be clear the McCloskeys committed no crime whatsoever. Frankly, because the grand jury is not an adversarial process and defense counsel are not allowed in there, and I have no idea what was stated to the grand jury and what law was given to the grand jury. We do know that the indictment now includes a charge of tampering with evidence for both of them. Since it's sealed, we don't know what they're talking about. But we do know, as we covered in an earlier edition, that Gardner's office had themselves tampered with the evidence to make Pat McCloskey's gun able to fire. Her gun had been used in court as a prop several times in her position as a trial lawyer, and the gun had to be rendered inoperable in order for it to be allowed in the courthouse. It was still inoperable during the incident in question, which means that she was bluffing the crowd. Mark McCloskey's rifle, as far as we know, was still operational. If they're going to claim that Pat was the one tampering with the gun, that's just going to add to the indignation that any decent person should feel at the misconduct of the prosecutors, misconduct that sadly seems to be becoming the norm, not the exception. The weapons charges they're putting against her require that the gun be functional. They know it wasn't. Now, they may try to claim that the gun was, in fact, functional during the incident, but then deliberately disabled to avoid legal charges. That might be the source of the tampering charge. 
But they're going to have to try and prove that, and I don't see how they can. It's just grasping at straws. Also, if the McCloskeys were determined to do that, why wouldn't they also do it with Mark's rifle? We'll find out hopefully on October 14th, which is when the hearing is scheduled. Meanwhile, attorney Al Watkins responded to prosecutors lashing out at him and calling him a slimeball in leaked emails we covered last week. You may recall that at one point, Chief Warrant Officer Chris Hinckley wrote, Why the expletive does Watkins have the handgun? Referring to Pat's gun, which Watkins had handed over to police. He also said, quote, That guy is a slimeball by many accounts. Are they going to try and claim that Watkins is the one who disabled the gun before handing it over? It's all speculation, but this seems to be the picture that's emerging. Anyway, Watkins' response has also come to light with him writing to Hinckley, quote, I am struggling with your inquiry, not because it is difficult to answer, but rather because its answer required nothing more than a room-temperature IQ to garner. Without further belaboring the obvious, I was doing my job. I think it was Judge Judy who said something like, Beauty fades, stupid is forever. With respect to your post-inquiry edict, I respectfully suggest Slimeball Lives Matter. I think I like this guy. He also wrote, Slimeballs may be despicable, but they are thick-skinned and interestingly in high demand when the going gets rough. Of course, there are no slimeballs at all on the prosecutor's side. No, clearly not. If you're looking for ways to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand advertisements, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to listen to the podcast and all of my videos on bittube.tv or lbry.tv to get cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. Or if you listen to the podcast at the podcast page, you'll also generate crypto. You can also go to airtime.bogosity.tv to get the airtime extension and generate crypto for yourself and the creators on the web anywhere you go, including my YouTube channel. Get five tubes free just for installing the extension and signing up, and then simply browse the web as normal. Easily monetize your favorite creators and yourself with cryptocurrency without advertising on BidTube.tv or LBRY.tv or with the airtime extension at airtime.pagosity.tv. Once again, we're seeing that the response to COVID is causing all sorts of misery the virus itself would never have caused on its own. One, as we've covered, is the closing of numerous businesses, especially small businesses, under misguided and ineffective lockdown orders, which can't be shown to have saved anywhere near the number of lives it's threatened to both business owners and employees who are now out of a job. And now, according to Yelp's latest economic impact report, 60% of those closures are now permanent. Those businesses are not coming back. The report examines data up to August 31st. As of then, 187,000 people in the U.S. had died of COVID. Over 163,000 businesses had shut down, and the number of those that are permanent is almost 100,000. Business closures affect a lot more than one person. Owners, investors, employees, how many of them are having their lives and livelihoods threatened? What number do we multiply to that 100,000 to get the actual number of human beings whose lives are threatened by this? The biggest kind of business affected is restaurants, followed by gift shops, men's clothing, and food trucks. 
Beauty businesses are also taking a big hit, showing a month-over-month rise in permanent closures. Businesses that are doing comparatively well include things like lawyers and accountants, services that are still needed, but they can be done remotely or with little contact. The restaurants that were hit the hardest are breakfast and brunch restaurants, Mexican restaurants, and also nightlife restaurants and bars. Other restaurants that are well-suited for delivery, like pizza restaurants and delis, are doing better. Comparing states, there's a definite correlation with a high number of closures and states with high unemployment rates. Hawaii has been hit the hardest, followed by California, Nevada, Arizona, and Washington. The biggest cities affected are Los Angeles, New York, and Honolulu. The metro areas with fewer closures include Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, which may be because a federal court ruled Pennsylvania's lockdown unconstitutional. So add this to all the other misery we've covered, including increases in conditions like depression and anxiety, as well as things like fewer cancer diagnoses and treatments, putting those lives at risk as well. But of course, the fearmongers and even skeptics are looking the other way, insisting that the only metric that matters is COVID deaths, most of which were patients who were already sick with a prognosis of less than a year to live. But deaths by any other means, well, they don't count. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. So one of the things we've been talking about with regards to the COVID pandemic is how governments are actually obstructing treatments. We've talked about the FDA's obstructionism preventing masks from being prevalent for so long. We've talked about the reasons why we don't have broad-spectrum antivirals for such an outbreak. And we've also speculated that things like patents could get in the way of things like vaccines. Sadly, the last part isn't speculation anymore. The head of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, Andrei Iancu, had previously brushed off this question, saying that while it was necessary to ensure that critical treatments are widely available to the public, intellectual property rights must always be respected, especially during crises like COVID-19. Without adequate protections, he warned, companies would lack incentive to invest substantial time and money in developing treatments for the next global health crisis. We've covered in the past why that's a load of crap. The reason why companies invest in new products is the consumer demand for the product. And there's a lot of demand right now for a COVID vaccine. So just days after Iancu made his statements, Pfizer, Regeneron, and BioNTech were all sued for patent infringement for their COVID treatments by Allele Biotechnology and Pharmaceuticals, who claimed that COVID-19 vaccines BNT162 and RegenCove2 were developed using Allele's patented M-neon green fluorescent protein, and they hadn't got the company's permission. 
Keep in mind, this protein isn't an ingredient in the final product. It was just used in the development of it. But to allele, that's close enough. On the other hand, Moderna Inc. came out and said that it won't enforce its patents related to COVID vaccines. I mean, that's nice and all, but the fact that they actively had to say that is a not-so-tacit admission that they and any other company holding a patent on anything used to make COVID vaccines can absolutely gum up the works. So Iancu's point is doubly refuted. In the case of Allele, it absolutely is obstructing development. In the case of Moderna, they're going ahead with these treatments even though they've agreed not to enforce their patents, meaning the lack of patents is not a barrier to their research. If anything else, Iancu has shown he's completely unqualified to be in that position to begin with. Unless, of course, his job is to be an apologist for the world's biggest religion. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to abominate this week's biggest bogun emitter. And this week it goes to the LAPD, who has just admitted to telling 30,000 lies in just over 10 years, which has to be some kind of record. The lies involve their use of facial recognition software, which they denied to the Georgetown Law Center on Privacy and Technology, who said... The Los Angeles Police Department has repeatedly announced new face recognition initiatives, including a smart car equipped with face recognition and real-time face recognition cameras. Yet the agency claimed to have no records responsive to our document request. The CPT actually concluded, The Los Angeles Police Department, LAPD, may have the most advanced face recognition system in the country, yet refused to comply with our public records request. And LAPD spokesman Josh Rubenstein directly told the LA Times in 2019, quote, We actually do not use facial recognition in the department. But the LA Times has since discovered, via public records requests, that it just ain't so. They reported, The Los Angeles Police Department has used facial recognition software nearly 30,000 times since 2009, with hundreds of officers running images of suspects from surveillance cameras and other sources against a massive database of mugshots taken by law enforcement. The new figures, released to the Times, reveal for the first time how commonly facial recognition is used in the department, which for years has provided vague and contradictory information about how and whether it uses the technology. 
In fact, Rubenstein told Business Insider, quote, FRT has been a vital tool that has been utilized to assist in developing criminal leads. So they went from, they don't use it, to it's a vital tool. When confronted with the about-face, Rubenstein said that what he meant was, quote, The LAPD does not utilize FRT in conjunction with body-worn video cameras or video surveillance cameras for crowd-scanning or crowd-scanning purposes. But there was no such distinction in any of his earlier statements. They also reported, LAPD Assistant Chief Horace Frank said it is no secret that the LAPD uses facial recognition, that he personally testified to that fact before the police commission a couple of years ago, and that the more recent denials, including two since last year, one to the Times, were just mistakes. So remember, when you lie to the cops, it's obstruction of justice. When cops lie to you, eh, it's just a mistake. They're allowed to anyway. By the way, the software they're using is from DataWorks, which was shown to be instrumental in two false arrests predicated on facial recognition searches turning up the wrong person. That's not even getting into the biases that have been introduced, including biases in race, gender, and socioeconomic status, reflecting the biases we've seen in police over and over again. It seems that these systems really aren't any better than the people using them. They always tell us, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. Well, I guess they had something to fear. So that makes the LAPD this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's municipalize this week's Idiot Extraordinary! And this week, it goes to Facebook and their so-called fact-checkers climate feedback for bogus reporting and not even insisting that the fact-checkers get it right. It was with regards to a John Stossel video about the wildfires in California, which was blocked saying the information could mislead people. Some of you now feel betrayed. One of you wrote, shameful, John, what happened to you? Your reporting was always fair, but your fire story was so unfair, even Facebook tagged it. A warning from Facebook carries weight. What's worse is that now Facebook says it will show my content to fewer people. So it was fact-checked by Climate Feedback, who claims to sort fact from fiction about climate change. They claim that Stossel's statement, forest fires are caused by poor management, not by climate change, was misleading. The problem? 
He never said that. What he actually said was... Climate change has made things worse. California's warmed three degrees over 50 years. So Stossel emailed the editor of Climate Feedback, Nikki Forrester. She never responded. But he did get to talk to two of the three reviewers. And you know what? They hadn't even watched the video. In fact, Stefan DeWer of Swansea University said it outright. Yeah, I mean, I've never commented on your article. If this is implying that we have reviewed the video, then this is clearly wrong. There's something wrong with the system. Zeke Hausfather told him, This issue has become very political, uh, which is unfortunate. I certainly did not write a climate feedback piece reviewing your uh, segment. So we sent him a link to my video, and he watched it. Is that a fair label on the video that I did? I don't necessarily think so. You know, while there's plenty of debates around how much to emphasize forest management versus climate change, your piece clearly discussed that both were at fault here. So after this revelation, he reached out to Forrester again, and this time she responded. But they stand by their smear, because the claims don't accurately reflect scientific evidence. Also, both scientists I interviewed emailed me afterward to say they do support Climate Feedback's position. Housefather writing, after talking to the folks at Climate Feedback, he now thinks my video minimizes the role of climate. Yikes! Does that sound to you like somebody was giving marching orders? He watched the video before and told Stossel directly there was nothing wrong with it. It's enraging that Facebook gives these activists the power to silence one side of the debate. Yep, and even more enraging that they do it in the name of science, which is all about examining the data from all sorts of points of view with all sorts of differences in emphasis and prioritizing and everything else. That's how you reach a proper consensus. It's a convergence from multiple independent lines of inquiry. But this isn't science. It's blatant authoritarianism, the exact opposite of what science should be. They should really take Stossel's advice. I wish they'd just let the information flow. People will learn to sort truth from lies. But what Facebook did to try to please politicians is let other people censor. But that's the big question. Who fact-checks the fact-checkers? Certainly not Facebook. Certainly not when the fact-checkers are people pushing the agenda they clearly agree with. So that makes them and Climate Feedback this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this My Mother Grabbed Me Once Once edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv, including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Wendell Phillips. He who stifles free discussion secretly doubts whether what he professes to believe is really true. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? 
If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins.